Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master, Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Welcome to Window on the West, where we explore all the ages of Tolkien's Middle-earth. With your hosts, Jonathan Watson, Michael Grumbine, and Dan Coates. Welcome to episode 25 of Window on the West. My name is Jonathan Watson, one of the co-hosts here. And you might notice that we are uh, one leg short of our three-legged stool, whereas <laughs> Dan Coates is unavailable today. And so uh, Michael and I are here. And instead of actually, we decided, instead of jumping 100% completely into um, of Baron and Luthien, which is sort of the, the ultimate story Tolkien wrote, one of the original stories in Middle-earth that he wrote, um, we're going to actually give a little bit of an intro, talk a little bit about, little bit about it, and this will be a little bit of a shorter episode because of that. Well, as anyone who listens to our episodes knows, it's really Dan that makes our episodes so long, so this will oh, be yeah. super short. Totally <laughs> Dan. Totally yeah. Dan. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, um, yeah, so what, what we're going to do is we're going to start with um, a little bit of a quote, right? Oh, and we're, we're going to have an extended podcast. We're going to talk a little bit, a couple questions from our patrons, um, including kind of talking about, um, remind me, Michael, what was that quote? Let, let me grab it as we look at it. Uh, the theme of joy, particularly as, as Tolkien quotes it in the opening, which we'll, we'll look at too, but we're going to kind of go in more in depth in that in our extended podcast as well. And you can get that at thewondering.com slash patron. It's $4 a month, but free for the first month because we're very, very generous here. We are. <laughs> uh, all right. So, 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 so very generous. So what, what we're going to do is I'm going to start with um, a quote from letter 155 uh, that Tolkien uh, wrote when he was talking to, I think it was to Hot Mifflin, the publisher, about where and what um, the, the inception of Middle-earth came from. So this is what he wrote. This business began so far back that it might be said to have begun at birth. Somewhere about six years old, I tried to write some verse on a dragon about which I now remember nothing, except that it contained the expression, a green great dragon, and, I remained, and that I remained puzzled for a very long time at being told that this should be great green. But like his philology started so early. I love that. I was well, like, and his philology is apparently inflicted on him by others because he, he says he remembers being told. Told, yeah. <laughs> so, so. so his entire life is a search for why is it great green instead of green great? <laughs> well, See, that would have been just awesome if he had named the inn in the Shire the green great, great dragon, dragon inn. <laughs> <laughs> that's right no green dragon just the green great dragon that would have been perfect maybe that's why he called it the green all right i'm sure it is so next line but the mythology and associated languages first began to take shape during the 1914 to 1918 war the fall of gondolin which we haven't read through yet here in the silmarillion but we will be getting to in the next few probably about a month and a half away the fall of gondolin and the birth of arendil was written in hospital and on leave after surviving the Battle of the Somme in 1916. The kernel of the mythology, the matter of Luthien Tenuviel and Beren, arose from a small woodland glade filled with hemlocks or other white umbellifers. So, uh, uh, well, here, let me finish this. Or other white umbellifers, umbellifer is a kind of plant, near roost on the Holderness Pen Peninsula, to which I occasionally went 
when free from regimental duties while in the Humber garrison in 1918. In another letter, he mentions it's 1917, uh, but here he does say that it's 1918. So um, he mentions the hemlocks and real fast. So hemlocks for me, for instance, in particular hemlock, I always thought of as an evergreen tree. It's a type of right coniferous evergreen tree. Uh, but here hemlock actually refers to this plant down here, which is, I guess, referred to as like more um, colloquially as cow parsley I've, I've seen. Um, but this is, I think, what did I, I mentions it as like it's somewhere he mentions it as the white froth of the ground. And this is what it was. And so this is essentially from the place where near Rus, a glade of hemlocks right here, where all this stuff along the ground that they would, that they would walk hand in hand through he and Edith Marie. Hmm. I don't remember her maiden name right now. Brat. Brat. That's right. So uh, they would walk through here. And this is where he got the uh, inception for Luthien. Uh, and it started early, and then it ended um, at the end, right? It, 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 it wasn't just um, something that he carried through a brief time in his life. It, to the very end of his wife's and his life, the story of Baron and Luthien uh, was woven into who they were. And so that's why a lot of, uh, you know, we, we, it's simply regarded the, the central story in all of Middle Earth. It's it's the most important story, I would say, in all of Middle Earth. And then we have this other quote. Do you have that, Michael, the other one? Um, yeah. Yeah, why don't you yes. read that one, which is uh, right after, it's from July 11th, 1972, uh, after Edith died. And uh, this is what Tolkien wrote. Yes, so, so this is um, in a letter which um, concerns what's gonna be on their gravestone. And so uh, he mentions in the letter that, um, he, he begins with, um, she was and knew she was my Luthien. And um, he, he says the inscription should be her name, her full name, Edith Mary Tolkien, with the years um, 1889 to 1971, and then Luth, the word Luthien underneath it, which which is exactly what happened. And I think Jonathan has a picture of that up now. And um, then the common grave, I'm sorry, the, the, the double grave with him being buried after he died a couple of years later um, in the same place. And so, as Jonathan mentioned, this is not, this is a seed of his mythology. And for Tolkien, mythology was is more real and more accessible than um, other forms of, of literature. And it isn't just a youthful um, flight of imagination that makes him create the story, but it carries, he carries it with him to the end. It is the seed. And more than the seed, I think we'll talk about this more next week when John, when Dan's here with us. But, but as we go through the details of the story, um, the, the tale of Baron and Luthien in what I suppose you could consider as final, its final form in the Silmarillion um, is really the glue that binds together his mythology, the mythology of the, uh, of the Valar, the creation of the world, the Valar and the elves together with, I mean, literally, because it's a tale of love between elf and man, it binds together the immortal and the mortal sides of his, his world. Mm. And it is, it is um, the center, it is the center of um, everything. I mean, it, it, it's the it's the quintessential love story um although it's and it's far deeper than i dare i say it than a story like romeo and juliet so i just compared him to the bard yes i did um, I, and and remember that the the essay by c.s lewis about how um to make something even more real it's like you dip reality into story and that's a, a that's little right. bit what's happening right here too right 
the story was more real. And so it made his reality more real because it took on a, a shape that, um, the simple fairness of our world does not, does not hold. That's right. That's right. And it, it's just to call it even the, and it's not even, it's more than the narrative center of his tale. It is in fact, sort of the way his soul moved. Mm. Um, there's another quote I love about that from that same letter, the July 11th, 1972 letter to his son. And he says, um, where forever, especially when alone, we still met in the woodland glade. This is the hemlock glade that Jonathan spoke about earlier. Um, we still met in the woodland glade and went in and went hand in hand many times to escape the shadow of imminent death before our last parting. So this is the shadow of imminent death, of course, of World War One that he was still that he had to return to over and over again. So it's uh, it's it really is. I mean, she is um, the thing that drew him back. And when we read the tale, when I say the thing that drew him back, what I mean meant was back to the real, back to beauty, back to joy, back to um, the the life that was the opposite of the death um, and destruction that, that that he viewed, and that is, and that he would say is in fact a, a common tale across across all peoples and all um, times, um, which is the, the shadow of death and the, the and beauty and joy drawing you back. Um, and so it's, this is a, this, I'm really looking forward to our discussion next week when, when Dan's able to join us. And I think we're going to do it over two weeks, right? We're going to split the tape. Two or three. Or like, maybe three. three yeah. 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 Because I think we'll talk about. About, and otherwise um, you guys would get bored. We'd be going on for like three hours probably. And we, we've got to sleep once we record these two. So I would for sure, <laughs> for sure subscribe so that you hear all three episodes i think it, before we jump into the whole thing next week i think we can go ahead and read the first paragraph of uh of baron and luthien because i think it, it talks a lot about that joy that you talk about right the the, the contrast the joy the that despite mm -hmm. all the death and destruction and evil in the world um the punctuations of joy are really what are remembered Maybe that's the best way of putting it. Let's read it. Let me go ahead and do that. Among the tales of sorrow and of ruin that come down to us from the darkness of those days, there are yet some in which amid weeping, there is joy and under the shadow of death, light that endures. And of these histories, most fair still in the ears of the elves is the tale of Baron and Luthien. Of their lives was made the lay of Lathian, release from bondage, which is the longest, save one of the songs concerning the world of old. But here the tale is told in fewer words and without song. And it's that line, there are yet some in which amid weeping there is joy and under the shadow of death, light that endures. I think, I mean, that, that encompasses most of the Silmarillion too. That's, that, um, I agree. But even more so in here, when you, when you read through the whole story and, um, the shadows that are cast over everything that happens. I mean, in the first section we'll go through, we'll, we'll see how, I mean, the shadow of Fanor is, is, is wide and dark and it casts itself on those who didn't even go to Valinor as we'll see. Right. After. Right. Exactly. Ed. Although I, I, I do have to chuckle at that last line, but here the tale is told in fewer words and without song. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> there is, is no such there is no such thing as a Tolkien chapter of anything that does not have song in it, as we will see. There is plenty of song in this chapter. But I I understand what they're saying. He's, yeah, he's saying, yeah. of course, it's not told in verse, but uh, it's not a lay. Yeah. <laughs> Next week I would really encourage you uh read through the first third of 
of Baron and Luthien. Uh, and I will tell you exactly where we'll end. And that is at the second major break after, as Michael was saying, a bit of song uh, <laughs> in the first chapter. For me, it's about page 201 in my copy of the Silmarillion. Here it ends with a line. Stop at this line. From time to time, they saw two eyes kindled in the dark and a werewolf devoured one of the companions, but none betrayed their Lord. So go to, go to that point, stop there. Um, and, um, and I'll throw a couple links about, um, Baron and Luthien here. There's, a uh, um, images that we'll put in here about, uh, you know, we'll throw in that image, uh, of the gravestone because you can see like, um, as we said last week, the, the word Luthien on the gravestone stone means more than anything else he could say. So I want to end with this line here where he talks about Edith and what happened to the story. Uh, as he lives on and his wife passed away. I never called Edith Luthien, but she was the source of the story that in time became the chief part of the Silmarillion. It was first conceived in a small woodland glade filmed with hemlocks at Roos in Yorkshire, where I, where I was for a brief time in command of an outpost of the Humber Garrison in 1917, and she was able to live with me for a while. In those days, her hair was raven, her skin clear, her eyes brighter than you have seen them, and she could sing and dance. But the story has gone crooked, and I am left, and I cannot plead before the inexorable Mandos. I, I, I hmm. love how he ends that. But the story has gone crooked, and I am left, and I cannot plead before the inexorable Mandos. Even in, like, he brings, he weaves his own stories into his conversations with his son, who, of course, was very involved in a lot of this. But the whole idea, like, he can say more by saying, I cannot plead before the inexorable Mandos. It, it speaks of his his loss, his grief, that there's nothing more that he can do. And he puts it into, um, into a metaphor of how his stories, how his legendarian was built. And I think it says more to those of us who've read the Silmarillion and who know, um, who know about the halls of Mandos and who know about what that means, um, that once there, no one returns except for, you know, we'll get there. <laughs> So anyway, we'll see you next week as we get into um, the first part, the first third of Baron and Luthien. Um, and if you want to join us for our extended podcast, make sure you go to theonewing.com slash patron. You can download it there into any podcast app. There are directions. Once you get there, it just requires the username and password. Uh, free for the first month and $4 for a month after that. And join us in our Discord chat where we are talking about Baron and Luthien and all the special things that uh, we see in that and the new things and the revelations. And I will say some of my favorite lines in the whole Silmarillion are coming up in this first third that we're going to read. And I can't wait to get to them to next week. We um, will be full of quotes. Yes, and, and, <laughs> too and, many. And, uh, yeah, we pro probably will go three episodes just to be honest. Yes, for sure. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us in this short but sweet episode of Window on the Bye West. All.